0: Now back, and I'm honored to say for a seventh time with me here on Next on the T is my all-time favorite author and one of my all-time favorite individuals, Keith Hirschland. Keith has become a wonderful friend over the last few years. He's an Emmy Award-winning TV producer. He's produced shows for ESPN, ESPN2, and the Golf Channel. Keith was among the original people that started the Golf Channel back in 1995. He's written three wonderful books. The first is my all-time favorite book, and that is Cover Me, Boys, I'm Going In, Tales of the Two from a Broadcast Brat. It's a fantastic read, folks. I can't recommend it highly enough. He's got two other great books as well called Big Flies and The Flower Girl Murder. He's got a fourth one coming out, I hope soon, Murphy, Murphy. I'm dying to read that book, and it happens, like I said at the top of the show, one of the characters in the book is uh, is our good friend Matthew Lawrence. Keith's lovely wife, Sarah, is the CEO of the U.S. Olympic Committee. They've been traveling all over the world this year supporting our national teams, and I'm very excited to have Keith back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey Keith, how are you, my friend?
1: I'm doing great, Chris. You know, I'm always excited when I get a message that says that uh you 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 want some uh some retired old TV T V guy to come and join you on your show. So uh it's always <laughs> a thrill and uh, I hadn't realized we've been together, this will be the seventh time. They they go by yeah, so, how about so that? quickly and you do I know, you do such a great job and it's always so fun talking to you that I always Feel like it's just sitting down and chatting with an old friend. So uh, I appreciate you very much, and your support is always uh, is always over the top and much appreciated. And um, you know we gotta you we know, gotta be in this thing together. And uh, I, you know I love Mitch and Matthew, and I'm thrilled that you have Jane Gettys on the show tonight because you know when I first started with ESPN doing their golf, she was winning golf tournaments, and and when I moved over to the Golf Channel, um, she was actually in a playoff, I believe with Kari Webb in 1996 um, at a tournament in Orlando. And it was, if I remember correctly, the first the first uh, win for Kari on U.S. soil. I think she had won the Women's British. She was a 22-year-old kid at the time and, you know, just a superstar in the making. And um, she won the Health South inaugural in Orlando on our air. And uh, I remember Jane being in a playoff with her for, for three or four holes. So maybe, maybe Jane will tell you, tell you a story or two about competing with, with the greats of the game. I mean, she was a, she's a a heck of a player. She was a lot of fun to be around too. So I'm looking forward to to listening to your conversation with Jane.
0: Well, I can't thank you enough for setting that up. I mean, we wouldn't be having that conversation later tonight if it wasn't for you. So I appreciate your, your continued support, Keith. And, uh, For uh, not only for setting up uh, this conversation with Jane, but just sort of the way you've been over the last few years. You're outstanding and I can't thank you enough for all of that.
1: Well, it's my pleasure and something tells me you and Jane would have connected at some point with or without my help. So, uh, I'm I'm happy
0: (laughs) to help, always. (laughs) I appreciate you. So, Keith, like I said at the top of the show, you've already got three great books and you've teased Murphy Murphy a couple of times uh, when you've been on recently. So, talk about where you're at with that book and uh, when we're all going to be able to get our hands on a copy of it.
1: Yeah, I wish I knew I was, uh, you know, I've I've been champing at the bit because uh, I sent the the draft to the publishers um, a few months ago and was kind of, uh, you know, just biding my time waiting for them to get back to me and sent out a couple of emails and got no response and thought, Oh gosh, I'm being this pesky author, you know, that, They've got you know hundreds of authors in their stable, and I'm the you know one of the one of the new people on the totem pole, and here I am pestering them. And finally, I got an email back from uh, my contact there, a great guy named Bobby Collins, and he said, you know, sorry it's taken so long. You know, we really wanted cover me boys to get some get some more traction before we started to release a new book from you, because they had, as I think I told you, they had re-released. They'd signed me up and re-released Cover Me Boys in February of this year. So they didn't want to rush out another, another book by me or another title by me so quickly. Anyway, um, he said, here's the first draft. So I got a, a, a look at their first, first, um, draft of edits and went and made a couple of new ones on my own and sent them back to them. And they responded right away saying, thank you. You know, we'll take a look at these. And oh, by the way, um, you know, do you have any ideas for cover art? So um I gave him a couple of thoughts that I had had about cover art for the book, and he thanked me again and said they'd get right to work on it. And that was that was a couple of weeks ago. So I'm hoping in the next next you know two or three weeks I'll get something back and uh, we can start telling folks how they can pre-order or order Murphy Murphy in the Case of Serious Crisis. So it's getting to be an exciting time. I'm I'm really excited about uh the rollout because. I'm expecting our friend Matthew to buy at least a dozen books and give them out to family and (laughs) friends.
0: (laughs) Indeed. Yeah, I can't wait to read it. And and like I say, uh, I hope he is the done it and who done it. So I'm looking forward to seeing what his character is like. I'm not going to
1: give away any secrets, but uh, he might be.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to read it. And Keith, as you as you just mentioned, you know, Cover Me Boys and, and the re-release and and all of that for for the listeners who haven't joined us the last uh, several times that you've been on the show and and are going well, oh, what is this Cover Me Boys? Let everybody know what that book's all about.
1: Well, thanks, Chris. It's it's uh, it's a memoir of my uh, nearly forty years in in the broadcast television industry. Um, uh, full title is Cover Me Boys. I'm going in. Tales of the Tube from a Broadcast Brat. And it really, it's, it starts out as an homage to my parents. My folks were uh, local broadcast pioneers in the northern Nevada area, Reno, Nevada. They started a television station there. And so I kind of grew up, um, you know, as a, as a little kid running around the halls of the station and and trying to to glean as much much knowledge and, and to see how my folks, you know, started a business and, kept it going and um, just hired and recruited, you know, some of the most talented people in the world to help help them run this TV station. And when they passed away, um, Sarah and I were, you know, over on Maui where they lived going through all their belongings. And we came across a box that had a a bunch of memorabilia in it, uh, you know, some awards that my dad had won and some commendations and letters from, presidents and senators and you know some some memorabilia for my dad's time in the navy and and sarah who hadn't gotten to know them sadly very well um said you know don't let this be your kids looking in a box when you're gone and saying my gosh we had no idea that you know dad helped start espn2 and was one of the first 40 people hired at the golf channel and won an Emmy and New Tiger Woods and had traveled around the world producing golf and, you know, had this, this amazing career. And so she said, start, you know, writing some stories down and in, in journal form just to let these, you know, so the kids would have, you know, some idea of what, what we did in our life and that somehow turned into a book. Um, So it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's about 450 pages of, stories about TV and stories about golf and a lot of stories about golf TV that I think that uh, a lot of your listeners might be, you know, might have some fun with.
0: So, Keith, let's let's switch gears a little bit. And you, know, you talk about television and the thing that uh, that's excited me about you on, on top of the books over the last several months is I'm starting to see you get involved a little bit more on the TV side. We, we, you know, we saw you, you know, earlier this year with the, with the guys on TNT, you know, back with the PGA championship, you know, and, and it just sort of wets my whistle and, and hope that a great talent like you might start doing a little bit more here and there. And even start to tie in like with your wife, Sarah. And for those who don't know, Sarah's the CEO of the, uh, of the U S Olympic committee. So as we see golf in the Olympics coming up in 2020, you starting to do a little bit more. Could that expand more and have you doing something with golf and the Olympics or other things as we look ahead to the 2020 golf season?
1: Well, you're nice. You're nice. You're nice to think those kind of thoughts. Um, I, you know, I, I dabble here and there. Uh, I was fortunate enough to, um, to have worked with actually been a part of the hiring process, uh, when golf channel hired Brian Anderson, um, he was doing he, he he had kind of grown up in Texas playing baseball and was uh, moved into the broadcasting arena and was doing play by play for a minor league team in Texas and was also uh, doing some sideline reporting for the San Antonio Spurs and when we were looking for a golf play by play announcer he sent his sent in his tape and um, you know we thought this this kid had a tremendous amount of potential. Anyway, we hired him on the spot basically. And uh, he turned out to be a great broadcaster uh, for Golf Channel for a handful of years before he got his dream job of working for a major league baseball team and has been the the voice of the Milwaukee Brewers since he left the Golf Channel, as well as now he does uh, NBA on TNT. He does uh, a lot of the NCAA tournament stuff for Turner. So um, when Turner got the call to do the last you know they had obviously had the rights to do uh, early on coverage of the PGA Championship for years but because of the schedule change um, they were still in NBA playoff mode and Ernie Johnson who had done their golf was also doing their NBA telecast and he he chose the NBA over over golf which meant Brian was going to be doing the early round coverage of the PGA championship. So he was nice enough to call me and say, listen, I'm going to be doing the PGA championship and I'd really love you by my side. And, you know, to feed me nuggets in my ear and give me direction and help me out a little bit. Um, I I couldn't resist. So I said, yes, but uh, I don't think that portends a, a return to the truck for me, even though in addition to that, I do a handful of things for friends over the course of the summer. If there's a, you know, a little golf show that they would like some help on. I'm always happy to to lend my hand and lend my expertise. But um I'm not sure you'll find me back in a truck again, Chris.
0: No, I'm disappointed to hear that. I thought <laughs> I thought what a what a perfect time to have you back in the in, in the booth is you know when uh when golf returns to the Olympics next summer. Yeah. It seemed like a perfect yeah. well, time. You know, but so. you
1: know, those guys, Tommy Tommy and those guys at NBC and Golf Channel do it. You know, Tommy does a great job. Um, you know, he's—I have a huge amount of respect for him. As you know, you and I have talked about him and Lance and yeah. and the folks that do golf on, on network television a number of times. And and you know, I have it—I have a huge amount of respect for for those guys, and and they do a great job. And uh, you know, golf is hard. Golf producing golf on television is—it's the hardest—it's the hardest sport to produce on television by leaps and bounds, which again, you and I have talked about just because there are so many balls in the air, literally, I mean, you know, it's not, it's not one ball, it's not one field of play, it's not one offense, it's not one defense, it's, you know, it's, it's 100 guys out on the golf course on 18 fields of play and everybody's playing offense nobody's playing defense and they never take a TV timeout. So it's a really difficult um, <laughs> job to do. And the guys that do it for a living on those networks, uh, I have a huge amount of respect for.
0: Keith, I want to get your thoughts because you have been involved in televising golf tournaments, you know, for so many years. And and, and one of the things that we've been talking about on the show over the last several weeks has been around the, the PGA Tours wraparound season now, right? <laughs> I mean, everything got Got shifted around uh, from a major's perspective and from the regular golf schedule because they wanted to get done before college football and the NFL started up. But then we've got this wraparound season where there's tournaments going on, right? There's another one this weekend. There was <laughs> a couple last few weeks, right? And, and I don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me that they're playing more golf that nobody's watching. That um, and the and the pretense, you know, for changing the schedule around was to get done before football. Yet they've added all of these tournaments, you know, through the fall. Um, your thoughts? How, how do you feel about the wraparound season? Uh,
1: you know, I'm I'm not a huge fan of it for the for those reasons that you you know that you've already talked about, and I think a lot of it is I I you know I don't I didn't like I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about the you know kind of the accelerated majors season, and I ended up um, you know kind of. Where I was on the fence before, leaning more toward the I'm not a fan of it as opposed to that I am a fan of it because I feel like, and you even heard players talk about it, there there was just there wasn't any time in, it felt like there wasn't enough time in between the majors this year um, to really get like fired up about the next one coming up. And the fact that Tiger didn't play at all between the masters and the PGA championship. Was kind of evidence of that. Justin Rose, I know, made some comments about how he didn't think it was, you know, conducive to the best performances for the for the guys to 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 have such a condensed schedule. Um, so I wasn't a huge fan of that. And then I really think, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I really think they missed they they lost or let go of one of their one of their big opportunities, which was golf on Monday of Labor Day weekend. There was always a big event. It was a playoff event on the Monday of Labor Day weekend that, you know, there's not, there wasn't a whole lot else going on. And I didn't think that, you know, that having the season extend to, you know, Labor Day weekend and the Monday finish on Labor Day weekend was ever a bad thing, even though it spilled out over into, you know, college football season. And, um, I think they, I, you know, I think they may have. Been too quick to pull the trigger on. Let's be done completely, you know, before football starts um, without thinking that at least that event and that weekend all the way through. And as it turned out, the Corn Ferry Tour played their finals event on that weekend and it got a lot of buzz. I noticed a lot of people were talking about the fact that it was the only golf on Labor Day weekend and it was really exciting and really thrilling. I just always felt like the tour had this great kind of rhythm to it throughout the year. There were the main, you know, there were big events, there were the majors, you know, the PGA Championship happened, at you know, in in mid to, to, you know, two-thirds of the way through August, and then there were a couple of fall series events to help out the guys that, you know, maybe struggled a little bit or, or were trying to get their cards, and then it kind of all came to a crescendo with what I always felt like was the greatest tournament of all, which was the PJ Tour qualifying tournament because that held the most drama. And that was played the first week of December. And, you know, everybody got there, you know, all excited about, you know, who's going to keep their card, who's going to get their card, who's going to, you know, who's going to fail, who's going to make it, who isn't going to make it. It was high drama, um, a lot of tension. And then, you know, I mean, economics made that, you know, unfeasible, I guess, for the tour. And then everything just kind of shifted. And, and for me as a, and you know, call me old fashioned or call me the, the you know, the the get off my lawn guy. But you know, I kind of like it the way it was and I'm going to it's going to take some getting used to for me with this new schedule and and right now like I told you, right now I would say I'm a guy that's kind of not I don't watch as much golf as I used to. I'll put it that way. And this is coming from a guy that used to watch everything.
0: So and To your point, Keith, about accelerated majors, right? i think and you mentioned this a moment ago, what we lost in the accelerated majors was Tiger Woods, right? I mean it seemed like he won the masters, and from the from the minute after he won the masters, he looked like a guy that his body was breaking down, I mean, I remember seeing the the party that you know i, I think it was Taylor made through for him a couple of days later, and he could barely sort of walk in there he was. You know, kind of beaten yeah. up in store And and then we didn't see much of them, really, the whole rest of the golf season. A couple of appearances here and there, but, you know, nothing really to speak of. And and I don't know if, if a you know, what will be, what, a 43-year-old body, 44-year-old body next year on the PGA Tour, if that's going to get any better. So does I, I feel like maybe this is sort of working against what everybody is hoping for, right? Everyone got excited about the Tiger win, and we thought, all right, now there might be a second or a third. I know our good friend Matthew right. Lawrence was talking about how he was going to win at Pebble Beach right, because of his history there. But it almost feels yeah. like maybe this is going to give us less Tiger, not more Tiger. I don't know. What do you think? I,
1: I you know I'm not sure. I, I think that's definitely a possibility. I think that. I think more, and and I I want to wait and see what happens next year before I before so you'll have to promise to have me on a year from now, but um <laughs> before we Absolutely. see kind of a a true a true sense of what tigers what tigers major's state of mind is going to be. I think that I honestly kind of buy into the the folks and the theory the folks that say the theory that you know that Masters win was such a huge huge accomplishment for him that there was a real hangover for that that lasted you know that lasted clearly you know a month because he played so poorly at the pga championship but it may have been a hangover that lasted longer than that um but the fact that there was this accelerated majors schedule put the spotlight on it so much more brightly and I, I, I agree with Matthew. I was one of those guys that thought he would perform well, contend, if not win at Pebble Beach. And he was a non, non factor. And then, you know, at the, at the British Open, you know, he, it, it just, it just, it seemed like once he won that masters and got that, you know, 15th major, he was done. He was done for the year. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was like, I I accomplished he accomplished something that so many people and maybe in the back of his mind he felt like maybe he'd never never accomplish again um and that kind of I think it it affected him throughout the course of the entire rest of the year so that's why I want to see what happens this coming up um majors season to see if he kind of uh handles that more on an even-keeled uh temperament basis and see if he can you know, I have no doubt that the man will contend, if not win masters for the next 10 years and contend in, if not win British Opens for the next 10 years, because that kind of golf and those courses set up for people to be able to do that. Um, Tom Watson almost winning at 69 was a perfect, or, you know, was a perfect example. So, um, I, he's not done yet. I just would like to see what happens if he's. Feeling good and and getting the good end of a you know the the early late window draw and the weather draw at certain tournaments and and to finally now know that he can win another major so maybe he won't it won't have such a, a drastic effect on his body like the the win at the Masters had on him
0: Keith before <laughs> I let you go remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with all the great things you continue to do find your books buy your books and then uh, follow you on social media as well.
1: Well, you're nice. You're nice enough to give me a chance to give that plug. I am, uh, the website is KeithHirschland.com, dot dcom Uh, you can find my books there at, and at Amazon and at Barnes and Noble. And I have a blog that's called Cover Me Boys, uh, through WordPress. And then on social media, uh, I'm back on Twitter, uh, much to the dismay of my wife, but that's at KHH <laughs> author, which is also where you can find me at Instagram. So well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of di- dipping my toe back in that Twitter that, you know, you know, you know, Twitter, Chris, it's, it can yep. be a, it can be a swamp at times. So, um, Indeed. but I'm just pushing the books. I'm just pushing the books and giving, you know, a, 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 a comment or a compliment here and there. That's, that's my new mission on. On social media.
0: Well, Keith, I can't thank you enough for coming back for a seventh time and being a part of this show. There's there's so many other things I want to get into with you. I hope you'll come back and join me again real soon. Like you say, it, uh, every moment that I get or every uh, amount of time I get to spend with you flies by. It's never long enough, so
1: I hope you'll come back real soon. I am always at your disposal, my friend, whenever you need me. I appreciate you, Keith. Take
0: care. All the best to you and Sarah and your new grandbaby. Congratulations on the new grandbaby.
1: Thanks, sir. Appreciate it.
0: See you, Keith. That's the great Keith Hirschland. And I'm telling you, folks, you got to go read his books because they're absolutely spectacular. Cover me, boys. I'm going in. I've said it you know, a a million times and I'll say it a million more. My favorite book of all time. And let, let me preface that by saying, and you can ask my wife this question, I'm not a reader. I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm, you know, I'm a USA Today sniglet. Give me a little bit, and if I'm interested, I'll read a little bit more. But I, you know, as Keith talked about, it's over 400 pages. You, I haven't read 400 pages since I was in high school. But I picked up that book because Matthew said this book is great. You need to read it. And I picked it up and I started to read it, and before I knew it, I was on page 300. And then before I, you know, blinked two more times, I was done. I mean, that's how great this book is. So when I tell you it's a fantastic book and coming from a non-reader, I'm telling you he's a great author. And then you read Big Flies and and I can't wait for Murphy. Murphy, God knows, I'm chomping at the bit to get that book to see what that's all about and and, then, you know, see how uh, the Matthew Lawrence character, what he does in that book. But Keith's fantastic. And uh, on top of that, you know, like I say, you go back to his time at the Golf Channel and ESPN2 and all the great stories. That he has from his time you know producing those producing and directing those uh, those golf tournaments, and then um, like I say on top of all of that, he's a 10 times better person that he is an author and a producer and he's an Emmy award-winning producer and hes and he's a, a best-selling author that tells you everything you need to know about Keith Urursland. I look forward to having Keith back on the show again real soon.